Hello, residents of Meeple Town. This is Dean. This is Darren. And today we're going to be talking about some games we've played lately. We're going to talk about some news items. Then we're going to share our top five games that are going to come off the shelf of opportunity in 2024. So thanks for joining us as we seek to promote community through board gaming. This is episode 158. Residents of Meeple Town, hail to the victors valiant, hail to the conquering heroes, hail, hail to Michigan, the champions of the West and North and South and East. That's right, people. Michigan Wolverines. The leaders in the best. You wanted me to jump in with that? Is that what you were asking me before? That's what I was asking you, but you didn't, so that's totally fine. Okay, so second verse, same as the first, leaders in the best. So that's... <laughs> well, champions of the West is what we were going for, but really all champions because the Michigan Wolverines football team has won the college football national playoff. First national that's title right. in, what, almost 30 years? Something like that? Um, I don't say like that. Well, it was... I say since 1997 because <laughs> it makes us sound not as old, right? Because yeah. 97 doesn't sound like it was that long ago. I remember where I was watching that game. I was at my buddy Brian's house. We had spent the night. We were hanging out and we watched that game and celebrate. Well, at least I celebrated like a maniac. Um, I was much more reserved this time around. How about you? (laughs) (laughs) Well, half of my family was asleep. And Uh, so I was whisper screaming in my house. It was, uh, yeah, my oldest was awake with me watching it. Who's also a big Michigan fan. We were, we were very excited. Um, yeah, I remember where I was in the late 90s as well, too, watching watching the Rose Bowl. But that was contested because of Nebraska, and this is our first uncontested in a long, long time, since before I was born. I'm not sure contested is the word. It was a shared title. It's not like they were debating who was who it was going to be. They Both of them well, were number one at the point, and they just said, okay, well, you both get it. We will have to agree to disagree on that. I... <laughs> I contested it when I was in <laughs> high school. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was shared. It was a shared championship that year. But yeah. that was before the college football playoffs, and now right. we have the playoffs that I would say in some of that debate. But it really doesn't. There's always going to be a debate. Florida State fans say, I call shenanigans. Our team should have been in there, and we would have beat you by 50 points. That's what they say. Yeah, well, I hate it for them, but um, either way, it doesn't matter because Michigan's on top. Welcome to Meeple Sports Talk Radio with <laughs> Dean Darren. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That that is it. We do talk about uh, we talk about board games every once in a while. But before we talk about board games, Darren, we didn't get to mention this last episode because we ran out of time a little bit. But we have a a listener of Meeple Town named Rob who bought us a lot of coffees. Not one, not two. I'm not going to keep going through that list. 20 coffees. <laughs> a bunch, a bunch of coffees. I am swimming in coffee. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully it's not super hot coffee. That would be awful. But yes, we are so thankful for you, Rob. It really does help us after we paid all of our bills at the end of the year. It completely wiped us out. And this is helping us build back up the Meepletown Bank so that we can I don't know, buy a vault of golden coins and swim in them? Like a Scrooge McDuck style? Yeah, I don't know what we're going to do with with all of that. But 
It helps for paying for hosting. It helps for potentially if we go to a con this year, who knows what the schedule is going to be like there, but it helps for the cost of that as well. So thank you and all of our supporters of Meepletown. Now let's talk about some games. Oh, if you would like to support us, you can connect with us on buymeacoffee.com slash Meepletown9 or patreon.com. And all that's in our show notes as well. Thanks, Rob. All right, now let's talk about some board games. Darren, you've been playing some cool games that I'm excited to hear you talk about. I've been playing some very cool games, games that are much cooler than yours. The first one I'm going to mention (laughs) (laughs) came out this year. It's one I was super excited about. I've taken to many a game night, and it just hasn't gotten played. But this past Monday night, while the Michigan game was on, we were playing Zuvatis. Recently came out this year, designed by Reiner Knizia, the great good doctor, Art by Quan Chai Moria, beautiful artwork, and published by Bitewing Games. Which, by the way, did you know that Bitewing says they have four Kinesia titles coming out in 2024? Four. Are they going to be named after cities? <laughs> and there's four this year and then another four next year. The question is, will they all be re-implementations of older games or will they be new <laughs> games? We'll have to wait and see, but I'm very excited about that. But this game, Zuvatis, is a reimplementation of an older Canizia design, Quo Vatis, uh, which was basically about the Roman Senate trying to gain power and control there. This one uh, is a negotiation game where you are animals moving through different exhibits in a zoo, trying to become the zoo's new mascot. It plays three to seven players. Takes about 20 to 40 minutes, which is accurate. I can say it plays pretty quick because the turns are simple. You're going to take one of four actions. You're either going to take one of your animals, because again, you just have a bunch of different types of animals. I was the marmosets. They were super cute. Uh, You take one of your animals and you can put them in one of the starting exhibits of the zoo, or you can move your animal down the path to the next exhibit, or you can advance a peacock or perhaps even move the zookeeper around. More on those two actions in just a moment. But when you move your animal, the funny thing about this game, the the the, uh, the crux of the game is that you can only move them by requiring or by acquiring the majority of votes of all the other people in that exhibit with you. For instance, if it's just like a one space exhibit, well, you can just move your animal you know, whenever you want. But if it's a three space exhibit, you have to have the majority of votes, like you plus another person. If it's a five space exhibit, you've got to have three votes to move. So there's all kinds of wheeling and dealing and negotiation and making promises that may or may not have to be kept. Um, This is where friendships can be made or broken. And so when you move your animal to the next exhibit, you're also going to pick up these laurel tokens as you move along the path when you pass over them. Um, And you're going to need those because whoever has the most of those at the end of the game wins. And um, also another way you can get the laurel tokens is if you give somebody else your vote. So if you vote for somebody else to move, There's some profit in it for you on top of whatever deals you've made with them. Or if you move one of the peacocks, because, you know, peacocks just wander the zoo anyway, because they're just all proud and peacocky. And so (laughs) you can bribe a peacock uh, for a vote, or you can move them uh, to either create space for you or maybe block somebody else. Anytime you move a peacock, you can also gain a laurel for doing that. And so the game's going to end. There's this star exhibit at the very end of the board that has flight you know, depending on the side, like five spots. And the game will end when all of the star exhibit spots are taken. And whoever has the most laurels of that wins. And the funny thing is, as you're moving people around, you can actually move more of your animals into that exhibit 
to keep other people out. Because once they're taken, that's it. If you're not in there, then you don't get the score. It doesn't matter how many laurels you have. So it's real exciting. It's it's nasty. Um, there's a lot of backstabbing. There's a lot of negotiating. There are ways you can avoid being working with people, but it's more fun uh, if you are working with others. And, um, you know, it's a, it can be cruel. It can be fun. I think we all walked away as friends. I'm not sure. Uh, it did play pretty fast once everybody kind of got a handle of what we were doing. Again, on our pass, play, purchase scale, this was a purchase. Definitely a purchase. I've never had a negotiation game before. This was my first, and I loved it. Really? Okay. That's interesting you would say that. Um, oh, what was I listening to the other day? Board Game Barrage or So Very Wrong About Games? One of those two they were talking about not enjoying um, negotiation games, but this being the the exception to that rule. But I don't I don't know why why that is. Uh, I, I'm and not since sh- you've not played many negotiation games, you might not know. Right, and that's what I was about to say. But I know the part of this that I enjoyed was the one the freedom. It, it gives you a very small box to to work in, um, but it gives you enough freedom there to do what you need to do, and the way that it's balanced, the the positioning. And again, this is the, this is Kenizia doing his thing. The the number of spaces that are out there, depending on the player count, and the number of powers that that you have, you know, you have these abilities that you can use as part of your wheeling and dealing as well. That that makes it interesting. You can't use them yourself, but somebody else can. The the number of peacocks that are out there as you move, the way the zookeeper works, just it's all I can say is that it's just perfect. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Wow, it's it's so perfectly balanced um, in the way that it, that it operates. If you are not opposed to any kind of like negotiation, I don't see how you don't enjoy it um, to some extent, you know? Well, okay, real fast. I'll just ask one more question. I'm really, really intrigued by this game. That's be. not my question. The The question I have is the, the kingmaker. Um, do, you, do you find that you see kind of one person getting ahead and nobody's wanting to wheel and deal with them? Or? Um, in the two plays, again, we've only played it twice. In the two plays that we had, you there definitely is going to be like if somebody's about to move in and take an advantage, then then you can definitely you know stall them out if you want. But there's other things they can do, and that's just right. that you can't like totally cut somebody out because, for instance, someone can move a peacock into their area, which they can bribe to get them out if they need that vote, or you can move the zookeeper to the path in front of you. And what the zookeeper does, the zookeeper lets you out of the exhibit to move ahead anyway. You just don't get the laurel token that the zookeeper covers up. So there's always going to be something you can do. There's almost always something that somebody else can do to maybe negate that, but you've got your own stuff you're worried about. You're not going to focus in on too much on keeping somebody out. So I think, again, maybe that balance um, keeps the game flowing. I've not experienced that yet. I've not heard of anybody else experiencing too much king making or king killing. Um, It seems fairly balanced there from what I can tell. Okay. Interesting. I I really want to check this one out. Johnny Meepletown is one that I would want to play this with because he tends to not like negotiation games just because of how they drag out and how you can like block people out. But this might be the exception to that. Yeah, I'm interested in this one big time. I, I've heard other people talk about it in a good light, but you are yep. You got the you got the juices flowing. I can't access it right now. But if you have the list pulled up, which is the pile, you should add it to that. <laughs> I'll throw it on the pile. That is Zuvatis. Yeah, good. 
Good one. I'm I'm intrigued. All right, the game I got to play was uh, lots of games, but the one I decided to, to choose was After Us. I'm trying to get some of my 2023 releases played so that we can get our list done maybe next month of our top 2023 releases. And so After Us is one that I really wanted to try. Darren left it with me in Tennessee, which means at some point I got to get it back to you. That's right. <laughs> so this one is a deck builder but it's a little bit of a weirder deck builder. You're going to take four cards from your deck and you're going to lay them out. It's it's kind of puzzly in how you lay them out in front of you. You're going to put them in order and they have symbols on the right, symbols on the left. And if they match up and form this frame, then you're going to get those resources or get to do the action that's on there. And then you're going to be um, using those resources to do Uh, really a lot of different things. You might be using them to buy some victory points. You might be using them to buy other uh, cards. You might be, I don't know, there's lots of of cool things that you can be doing with those cards. Um, It's interesting because you aren't picking the cards that you are buying into your deck, though. You have a, a stack of cards in four different stacks, and each of those represents like a different type of card. So if you go down the the blue stack, for example, the symbols on there lend themselves to giving you more victory points. If you go for the orange stack, they lend themselves for, for giving you more of the energy, the battery tokens. Or um, the chimpanzee stack might be uh, cards that will let you like reactivate symbols from your cards. Or the gorillas are going to be uh, letting you cull your deck and and that's the gist of it so you're just going to be forming your deck and and using those to um uh again activate the different squares on your um uh excuse me in the uh, in the tableau i guess is the best way to say that on the on the tableau that you are creating and then gaining gaining victory points to be the one who wins the game that way so you have played this one, Darren. Yeah. I'm in, I'm interested to hear what your thoughts are on this. I, I didn't mention, there's a lot of stuff that I didn't mention for this. You're also going to be, along with picking the stack of cards that you're going to be buying cards from, you're activating an ability from your token, um, and and then some other things that, that happen. But that, that is kind of the gist of, of the game. What, what were your thoughts on this one, Darren? Yeah, I haven't played this one uh, a whole lot. Uh, I played it once or twice, and one of those plays being solo... And which does play solo, which I find interesting. I love the fact that you've got this deck builder that you can play solo. And I love the fact that it's a unique twist on the deck building. You've got all these cards and you play them out in front of you and you know, you're matching up the little, the frames at the bottom of the cards in order to take certain actions and, um, or gather resources. And the way those chain off of one another, I think is really interesting. It's very clever. I think that can take a few people that can take some people a little while, you know, as you're, it's really kind of AP prone, uh, analysis paralysis prone as people may try to figure out, you know, how best to, to maximize their cards in front of them. And I find that really clever though. Um, I, I like it. I feel like I can't put my finger on it. There's something more that I want this game to do. I'm not quite sure what it is, you know, like, um, so I think like star realms is just a very quick deck builder. I'm only going to pull that out when I just want to battle somebody for about, you know, 10, 15 minutes. We're just going to go bam, 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 and hit someone. This game is a little more complex than that. 
which I enjoy, but I feel like there's one component of that that I feel like there needs to be one more thing. You know, maybe we've been spoiled by all these deck builders that are also board games. This is just really a card game with a big board in front of it. Um, I think there's one aspect of it that's just, I don't know what it is that's missing, but I really think it's very clever and I like playing it. Uh, it just, it makes me want something more. Maybe there's room for expansions there. I don't know. Yeah. Yep. I, I felt the same way, but it's, it's weird. Um, I, I, so a couple of things that I really like of this, I really like the puzzle when you lay those cards out and you're trying to figure out the best right. way to get resources and then, you know, trade in those resources again, because depending on what cards come out, you're, you, you deal with what you have. If you have a lot of blue cards come out, you're going to try your best to, to spend resources to get victory points. If you have your uh, gorilla come out, you're going to try to uh, call your deck based on, you know, what cards come out there. So it's, it's interesting. I also like the race of this. I mentioned it was victory points, and it is, right. but it's a race to victory points. You're trying to get the uh, be the first one to be uh, at 80 victory points. That is tense. You know, it's it, it's a tense a tense challenge in there, and it, and what that does is it makes you want to kind of balance things out because you also you need energy, you need those battery tokens a lot of times to one activate those. There's these tiles that are out that you can activate. Everyone has access to, to activate those using batteries you also use batteries for other things like spending for victory points or spending resources for, for victory points so you kind of want to spread yourself out you're not really focusing on one area all those things are really cool what i didn't like and probably the biggest thing and i think this is the part that felt like it was missing for me is the the selection of cards is just not that interesting i think mm. often all the cards either cost three or six of a specific type of resource. And so the victory point ones, you're spending the flower, blue flower tokens. Okay. Three of those get you the lesser version of that card. Six of those gives you the better version of that card. Well, if you have six, you're going to probably spend those, right? More than likely. Yeah. So the, the decision there is not very interesting. And a lot of times I found myself having a lot of one type of resource and not necessarily all of the types of resources. And so even then you're really limited because it's like, okay, well, I have six of these uh, orange tokens, so I will spend those, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so that was the part for me that was missing, but I ended up playing it and then I played it. I, I did solo this like two or three times in a row after playing it because I wanted to try it and I like the puzzle of it. So I really like it. I don't love it. And I don't, I wouldn't purchase this one. I would, I would play it. I'm going to give this back to you and be totally fine with that. But if there was something more interesting with the deck building part, I would, I would consider this a purchase potentially. Yeah. As you say that is, again, I feel like we're doing a full review. Um, when you take those cards, isn't it that a blind draw? You're just like top decking. You yep. So, so you don't really have a choice of, you have a choice of what, what animal you're, you're drawing. You don't have a choice of what card exactly. And so that's a little different, you know, that can be frustrating, you know. Correct. Now there's two stacks of each color. Right, right. And so three for the lesser one and six for the the better one. But again, you're face down. I'm you almost always you are right. you're almost always gonna choose the one that you can afford. Yeah. The highest version that you can afford. Unless you're saving up. But it, it almost doesn't make sense to save up because you don't really know what cards are gonna come out later on. Yeah. It's it's interesting. But also if you got to choose which card you were buying, I don't know if I would like that either because mm. 
you have so many symbols on those cards. I, it would it would cause so much AP if you're choosing the cards. So I think they did it the right way. Yeah. I just don't think I like that now, about it. One thing I did like, I can't remember if you mentioned it or not, the matching action, you can match with the, your neighbors um, or, or whoever's played like a certain action on their token. You can match up with that and get extra actions from that. Yeah, yeah. I didn't mention that. You can spend some batteries and be able to to match up. When so basically at the end of of like your tableau stuff and you trigger all the things on your cards, which again is a cool part. Then you take this token, you flip it over to decide which card you're going to purchase, and it also gives you an extra action. But I didn't mention that you can uh, pay some batteries to to take the action of your neighbor, which that's cool too. Nothing like mind blowing. And also those you know tokens that you spend batteries for is kind of cool. Again, it'll be interesting to see what the future of this one is. Mm -hmm. If it does have some expansion stuff, I would be interested in checking it out. But again, it's not one that I'm going to run out and purchase. Yeah. Well, one more positive on that one. The art is beautiful. Vincent Detroit killed it with, with, uh, with this stuff. Looks great. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the designer of this one, um, Florian Mm -hmm. Siro, I see, sorry if I miss, I did mispronounce that, but has done some really cool games. Mm-hmm. Um, some that I haven't played, several that I haven't played, actually. The art project that just came out this last year, Imaginarium. But Mamantra that came out in 2019 mm-hmm. is a card game that I I really enjoyed. We did a review of that back in the day. So anyway, if that interests you, check it out. That's after us. Just one more game to mention because I just can't help myself. Dean said, you can only have one game to talk about. I said, no, I want two. And once I beat him into submission, he's going to let me talk about <laughs> Marvel Zombies. Uh, I've been dying to get this one to the table, and I finally did. Man, I was not disappointed. This is designed by Fabio Curie and Michael Chanel, and the art by Marco Cicchetto, published by Simon, of course. One to six players, plays in 60 minutes, and that's that's pretty accurate. Uh, this is Zombicide. All right, that's it. You're Zombicide. But your your zombie heroes, your Marvel superheroes that have... Uh, been infected by the zombie virus and you're trying to move around the boards and meet objectives and eat other superheroes that that aren't uh, zombies yet and you're eating shield agents you can eat agent colson if you want uh, and other innocent bystanders like pepper Potts or or thunderbolt ross who really isn't all that innocent but still um that that part is just super <laughs> exciting and unique and you have this hunger track uh, on your character and that hunger track is going to go up each round which can be beneficial. It does make you stronger. It gives you more dice to roll when you attack or when you devour other people. But it also, uh, if you max out on that track, you become overcome with your hunger, which will limit the actions you're able to take. You can just like move and eat. <laughs> That's it. And uh, and it can cause you to start losing health as well. I was just really impressed with this and how how smooth it played, how quick it played, how powerful you can become and how quickly you can be that powerful. It was a whole lot of fun. I've just played the first two scenarios right now as the zombie heroes, um, which are in this in this game. Again, this is not the retail version that, that came out months ago. This is uh, Marvel Zombies, a Zombicide game. And uh, the, the characters in this one, to start are Captain America, Captain Marvel, Iron Man, Wasp, Hulk, and Deadpool. And so I've just played as, as all of those. And I hope to play as the superheroes because I also have the X-Men Resistance game as well. And I hope to play as just the normal non-zombified superheroes here soon and uh, beat up some zombies. But uh, yeah, I mean, this is obviously a purchase for me. I mean, come on, who are we kidding? I've got it. <laughs> I've got it all. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend all year playing this. It's going to be fantastic. I would be interested to play this one. I 
I wasn't even at all tempted, really at all, to to back this. That you know, watching the Marvel zombies on the what is the what's the Disney like short things that they have what or if? whatever the what ifs that one wasn't interesting. <gasps> to me, so. Shame! I'm I'm leaving the show right now. I'm out. You can finish this by yourself. I love zombies. Love Marvel. I just don't want them combined. That's okay. Th- this is a great comic run. Um, it's a whole story in the comics. If you're familiar with that at all. And uh, I think Marvel's adaptation of that is, you know, somewhat different, but it's, ah, it's so good. It's so exciting. And, uh, and I think the game captures a lot of that. So more to come, I'm sure. Yeah. I'd be interested to, I would play this with you. So put it on the, pile. I'll throw them Actually, all don't the pile. All right. That is going to do it for the plays that we've had lately. That was, I, I, I don't know if you said it, that was Marvel Zombicide. Is that the full name of that game? Marvel Zombies. It's Marvel Zombies, a Zombicide game. Nailed it. All right, now let's get on to some news items. This just in, see? I do that every time. You do, it's terrible. It's never funny, <laughs> but that's what makes it funny for me. I like. There you go, as long as you're having fun. <laughs> All right, we got lots of news items to get through, Darren, so let, we're, we need to get started with this breaking news. Some of it might not be breaking for you, but some of it might be. The first one is I would argue is the biggest news item in all of the news today (laughs) that is and that's including board gaming news by the way not all the worldwide news i mean in the board gaming world the most important thing in your life right now (laughs) is this i assure you that it is not although it is intriguing and that is wormspan w-y-r-m-s-p-a-n this is a follow-up game to the Really super epically popular Wingspan. This is a game by a different designer. Okay. This is, uh, but also you've got Connie Vogelman, by the way, is the designer of this. But you did have, uh, you, you had all of the, uh, the other players, I think, probably involved in this. So the original designer, Elizabeth Hargrave, is, is, Involved, she was invo- involved in the development. I would imagine Jamie Stegmeyer was involved in the development as well. Although I don't remember, I-, I didn't watch everything on that, so I'm not positive about him. But I know that uh, Elizabeth was. Yeah, uh, Elizabeth is listed, I think, on the box as a developer, and Jamie by default is developer of all their games. This is what he had okay. said. So he goes, he goes, I have my hands on all of it. I'm a developer in all of it, but I'm not putting my name on the box. So okay, okay. So in this game, if you're looking at the board and watching some of the videos, a lot of it is going to look very familiar. You're going to be putting out your cards on in basically instead of drawing these birds into sanctuaries, you are drawing or to you know to the different you know, the the wetland, the woods, and all that. You're drawing dragons into different types of caves. All of that is going to be very familiar, but you do have these other cave tiles that are going to go on that make things different. The production looks pretty similar, even the box cover. I, you know, by <laughs> by design, it was supposed to be that way, and I think that was the right thing to do. But a lot of it is going to be very familiar. What I'm seeing is a lot of negativity in in people's responses to this, like, oh, this company's just trying to grab some money off of this, which is not the case because one, it is its own game. It, it does have its, its a lot of other new pieces to this, 
But I think most importantly, this is why it's so exciting for me, who, by the way, will pick up this game. I, it will be in my collection. My wife does not like birds. Okay, just, <laughs> Is she afraid of birds? She is afraid of birds and mm. also just doesn't like them. So that is the biggest reason why Wingspan never gets to the table in my house. The gameplay I love. I love Wingspan. In fact, back in my elementary school days, I was quite the bird watcher and won a book. I don't want to brag, <laughs> but I won a bird watching book for my fifth grade teacher because I memorized so many bird watching charts. I mean, I'm I am the anti my wife when it comes to birds. I love birds. You are so cool. I really like dragons too. And so I'm so excited about this one. I don't know if dragons is going to be the thing that draws her into this game. But what I'm seeing from other people that aren't poo-pooing this is that, hey, I don't care about the bird thing, but this actually draws me in. So I think it's going to draw in a lot of the same people, a lot of the same players that, that love Wingspan. But I think it's going to draw in a lot of new players. So why poo-poo this? I think we should all be really excited about it, right? Yeah, ab- absolutely. Um I, I don't get just the, the people talk about sometimes like the, the Stonemeyer games has kind of its cult following. I also feel like it has its cult haters. Like there are people that just love to hate on everything that, uh, that Stonemeyer games puts out, uh, people that, you know, anything that's popular and exciting, they have to poo-poo on. So, you know, shame on you. If, if you fall in that category, if you just want to bring people down, um, you know, find some joy in, in something, be happy for others. Uh, is this trying to get money? Of course, every game that is designed is trying to make money. Good heavens, are you killing? Are you are you kidding me? Uh, I love the fact though that this is Wormspan, a Wingspan game. They're using the core mechanisms of this to build a new game. So hopefully, it does feel familiar, uh, be it also adds something to. Uh, I'm not the huge bird nerd like you are. Um, I, I like Wingspan. Uh, my my wife really likes Wingspan which is why I got it to begin with. And we've enjoyed playing that. Uh, this one I think is going to be really interesting. I'm more excited about the dragons, you know, kind of like how you are. And I love the fact that Connie Vogelman, this is her second design. Apiary was her first one. And that has really had a lot of positive reviews here. Uh, lately, a lot of people are getting a lot of good plays out of that. Developed by Elizabeth Hargrave. So, you know, that's fantastic. And the artist is Clementine Camp- Campardu, who did Floriferous and... Um, delicious and, and that line of games. And, and uh, it looks, well, it still looks like Wingspan though, uh, while also having her own kind of watercolory take on this, this all female design and coloring team. I just, I love just about everything about this. I'm excited to, to play it eventually. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm solidly, solidly in that category. I own uh, pretty much everything Stonemeyer anyway. So it really was going to be a known brainer, but it it does it looks <laughs> it looks cool my only thought is in the, and i i think i'm probably in the minority i would have liked the art is fantastic but personally i would have preferred to have seen a different style to separate it from wingspan but i understand that that is not the route to go that would be a poor move to do that i think however I still think it's beautiful. So again, that's me in the minority. I think it does look cool. I would have liked to have seen something a little, uh, I don't know, a little darker maybe. Is that the right word? But I felt the same way about Libertalia. I I kind of like the old style on that and Jamie brightened it up a lot. But 
I think it becomes more approachable that way. Yeah. A lot more people want to play a game that looks like this than they do a darker dragon game. So yeah. So I'm I'm interested in that that is Wormspan. Look forward to uh, the, by the way that you can pre-order that I believe at the end of January if I saw that right. Yeah, I think it's January 31st is when pre-orders are available. Yeah, and that will come out like all Stonemaier games not too long after that. I think this one is March. For their late March is going to be the worldwide retail release of this one. Yeah, which means if you pre-order it, you'll get it before then. So that's right. Throughout February, mm-hmm. if you order it in January, yep. so pre-orders is it, again like Stonemaier, they come out pretty quickly after that. Yep. Very cool. Sounds exciting. Want to hear about another potentially exciting game? Nope. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I do actually. I oh, fantastic! All right then. Well. Um, from the people that brought you Disney Villainous and Disney Lorcana comes Chronicles of Light, Darkness Falls, a Disney edition. <laughs> this is a joint effort by Disney and Ravensburger. They are creating this cooperative tabletop RPG for ages eight and up. It's going to play two to four players. Chronicles of Light, Darkness Falls. This is going to involve Belle and, uh, from Beauty and the Beast and Moana from Moana and Violet from The Incredibles and Maid Marian from Robin Hood. And this is the what, what it, how it describes it on BGG. It says, um, materializing as radiant crystal versions of themselves summoned into the realm, the heroines drive back shadows of infamous Disney villains and restore the realm of light. Along the way, the team explores a brand new illustrated world and encounters familiar characters, items, and creatures on their quest. The game's diverse missions and modular board generate new adventures every time it's played. I don't know about you, but that that sounds kind of exciting. I I love words like, you know, infamous Disney villains, familiar characters, uh, brand new illustrated world. Um, All those those things sound exciting. Uh, Cooperative tabletop RPG, this seems like a new direction for them. It's an all-woman design and illustration team. I don't know. I'm I'm kind of excited about this, but I have my reservations. But before I get to that, Dean, what what, what was your take on this? At first, I I wasn't just like excited. Not that I was, you know, pooing it or anything like that. I was I was more intrigued. I guess might be the re- the best word. Uh, it's interesting. So Pam Wells is listed as the designer. Excuse me, Pam Walls is listed as the designer of this one, who has a couple other designs under her belt. Uh, looks like party style games. But I, I just, here's my problem. I don't know who I'm going to get this, who I can get to play this with me. However, I'm going to be going to Orlando this summer for a week with my family. We're not actually going to Disney this time. We're going to go to Universal. They're, they're the group that I can play this with, but I don't know if it's too kiddy for them. My, my nieces and nephews and my kids, I, I, I'm, I just need to know more information, I guess. Yeah. I'll, I'll leave it at that. But I think it looks cool, and I it sounds intriguing. The RPG style sounds cool. Yeah, not a whole lot of, of info, gameplay, and stuff is available on this. They just announced this a few days ago. Um, yeah, the, the 8 plus age makes me think this is going to be really younger family-oriented uh, but I also wonder, what is that? Oh, man, I just now thought of this. What is that um, almost like children's Gloomhaven type game that Tom Vassell is always talking about? He played with his family and they all love it. You know what I'm, you know what I'm? Adventure Tactics. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I wonder if this if this falls in that category, I can see it being really, really popular. Um, but the, that that age range is concerning. And then, you know, Disney and Ravensburger, a lot of these games are almost too mass marketing in some ways that they fall kind of flat, at least for me, a lot of the stuff that's come out, um, whether that be, you know, some, some of the villainous stuff is great. Some of it, not so much. Um, the fact that Lorcana has been really good here lately, and you know, gives me some hope. This is a whole new world, no crossover there. Um, I don't know. And the fact that it also says Disney edition makes me think that maybe they'll be doing other franchises as a part of this, this Chronicles of Light series. We'll kind of have to wait and see. But if this does sound interesting to you, pre-orders will go up on the Target website on July 7th. MSRP right now is going to be $29.99 and should be released to Target and other quote-unquote hobby stores July 21st. That is Chronicles of Light, Darkness Falls, Disney Edition. Yeah, I'll be keeping my eye on that one for sure. Interesting. All right, the next item up is Silver. Now, I say this this is a news item, uh, but it's actually on Kickstarter right now. It will be for the next... Once this releases, I think you still got a couple weeks to check it out. Silver, the big box collector's edition. Now, if you are a longtime listener, you've heard me talk about Silver, maybe watched a video that I did or a series of videos that I did during COVID, which is when I first played this one. Uh, So you have six games, smaller box card games. You've got Silver which is silver amulet, but I think it's just called silver, silver bullet, silver coin, silver dagger. You now have two new ones releasing in this series with this Kickstarter. Um, it is silver, oh goodness, silver eye and silver fang. There we go. Sorry, it took me a while to scroll down. Silver eye and silver fang. It, this game is similar to, I talked about it actually on the last episode. I talked about a game that I played called Sky Joe. Uh, or Skiho, I don't know how to pronounce it, but I'm going to say Sky Joe, which is like a golf type implementation. That's what this one is. Silver is a golf type game, card game, golf card game, where you are trying to get the lowest number values and also get rid of your cards if you can, ideally, because then they're worth zero points. And so you're trying to get the lowest amount of points. It is a really cool game like this one a lot. I think I gave this one an eight whenever I reviewed it. What is cool about this Kickstarter is that you have this collector's box that holds all six of those boxes. It's beautiful, by the way. Even if you have no interest in this game, I highly recommend checking out the Kickstarter page because the production is phenomenal. You've got this box that fits in a Calyx shelf um, and you have six uh, a spot for all six of these boxes. You have drawers to put other components in, like cards. There's some cards that will come out in this one. And, and then you have spots on the sides when you open up the box. For game mats, you have these neoprene game mats that you can get. Either four with one version of it, or you can get six, because now you can expand this to five and six players with some cards in the five, six player expansion, which is an additional 98 cards that comes with this if you go that route. So if you have nothing, you can go all in on this Kickstarter. And this gives you everything silver for $159, which is a lot for a pretty small card game, although there's a lot of variety in this. I didn't mention this, but these cards you mix and match. That's that's why you have so many boxes. You, you can say, I'm going to pull out the ones and put in these ones from this one. You mix and match with all those. If you have... uh the um 
let's see, it's, what is it? 139. There we go. 139 gives you everything in the silver pledge level. Plus it gives you all of those boxes, which is, it's not the five, six player expansion. So it's going to give you four of those player mats. You can, if you're like me, if you've got everything for this, except the new expansions, you can spend $79 to get four neoprene mats. And then those two expansions or $99 to get the five, six player expansion. Plus the the new expansions that come out with this one. I can tell you as cool as I think this is, I don't think I can justify the price. I don't think it's a high price. I actually think it's, it's, it's very reasonable for what you're getting in this one. Just for me personally, I I'll just have to have my boxes just loose. I would like to pick up these new expansions, but I just don't think I can justify as much money as we spend on games. Anyway, I can't justify getting the box, but it's so cool. I love this. Love the Kickstarter. You've not played silver, so you got nothing to say. I don't want to hear your opinion. <laughs> All right, I'll keep it to Is myself. That harsh? It's not too harsh. Sorry. <laughs> you know, like after talking about it and hearing you talk about it, I, you know, I want to go back and and give this another chance. And I'll be honest, if I was tempted by this, I would really be tempted because that collector's box looks beautiful. The art and all this stuff is like, I love this kind of art. And this is Bezier pulling from their werewolf universe. So all these characters should look and kind of sound familiar, at least, you know, again, by the look of them. Uh, the, the junkie in me is, um, is wanting to explore this more. So I'm going to click off that tab on my computer and not look at it again. <laughs> I love Bezier games. I really do. They, they love to del- deluxify stuff. And I really like that a lot. And, and I like how they, you know, they have these small box games like, like werewolf, but then they do things to kind of bring them all together. Mm-hmm. So you can have, have them all in, in your collection. I, they just do it right. They do it right. I love Bezier games games and they make really fun games. Yeah, I'll try it again. Put it on the pile. That's the Silver Collector's Box Kickstarter going on now for the next couple weeks. All right, one last news item for the day from the designers of Red Cathedral and White Castle. Llama Dice, they are bringing you Flatiron. This is going to be published by Ludanova, and the art is by one of my favorites, Weberson Santiago. This is a city building game where players are competing to complete the Fuller Building. You've been to the Fuller Building, right, Dean? The Flatiron Building there in New York City. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Walked by it. Does that count? Sure. Absolutely. Kind of one of those (laughs) iconic buildings that people just sort of recognize when they see it. Well, that's what you're doing. You're trying to complete that. Uh, the BGG says this is the ulti- that the ultimate goal is to earn more victory points than your opponent, primarily by undertaking construction tasks, but also by maintaining an impeccable public image and adhering to the decrees of the New York City Council. The game ends when the roof is placed. So as for mechanisms and how this plays, I don't know. There's not a whole lot of info on that. Uh, but again, BGG does say that you're going to develop your companies by adding new cards to your personal board which allow you to perform more and better actions on each of the surrounding streets. So not, not a whole lot that I can find about it. I feel like if you like these designers, you probably know the type and feel of game that you're going to get. Uh, they've built the white castle. They've built the red cathedral. Now they're going to build the flat iron. I feel like that's kind of a step down from some of the other <laughs> buildings they've been constructing. I don't know, but this is going to be, here's one thing that I thought was interesting. This is going to be a one to two player game. It's just one to two, uh, but it's going to play in about 45 minutes and going to come out sometime in 2024. Do you have any interest initially in the, in this one? 
I do. The obviously the designers. I'm just reading on here the release. It looks like they're shooting for Essen, right? Uh, of this of 2024 for that. I, a hundred percent. I'm interested in this one, but it is not part of any of those other ones, right? Other than just the designers. That's the only similarities. Is that that's what I can correct? tell because you know Devere did the other two. I think they just. Correct. I think these designers just like designing buildings. Yeah, you know. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, of course I'm interested because of the designers, those are two games that I absolutely love. The look of this one is cool. I like it. It looks very different than those other ones, obviously, if it is part of a different series, but it is interesting that it is just one to two players. I would be, yeah, which I have no problem with that. I like to solo game now and, and I play a lot of two player games as well. So uh, yeah, bring it on. I want to see more of this. Well, there you go. You're going to get it around Essen. That is Flatiron, published by Luda Nova. You know what else I want to see a lot more of in 2024 of is getting games off of my shelf of opportunity. Let's talk about them. Yeah! All right, Darren, it is that time of year, the beginning of the year, where you start thinking through, what what do I want this year to look like? Do I need to make resolutions? you know, do I want to lose weight? Do I want to go to the gym more? What what do I want to accomplish in this year? Well, as a gamer, I think we need to be considering getting games off of our shelf of opportunity. And by we, I mean me. I need to consider getting some games off of my shelf of opportunity. So I have some resolutions, and we'll talk about some of those actually next week, probably. But this week, I want to focus on what are some games that we've got to get played than our list. Now, I've, I, again, I steal a lot of things from the Secret Cabal, and I have no problems with that. They did this on their more recent episode where they voted, which I thought was really cool. But I was just like, no, I want to throw down a challenge of playing five games from my shelf of shame. And if we don't, by the end of the year, get these games off of our shelf of shame, we are going to get kicked off of Meeple Town, I think is what we agreed on. Oh, is that correct? I, th- I thought it was going to pay the other one $100. Oh, <laughs> that is, that's, I don't know. Things are a little <laughs> lower there. Well, are they? <laughs> <Is he playing? laughs> Probably not, actually. Okay, touche. I don't know. Maybe we should have something that will happen. Although, I picked some pretty difficult games to get off of my shelf of opportunity. So, maybe I don't need to wager anything. <laughs> at all because i i'm it's gonna be a challenge for me on some of these i think yeah i'm i don't think it's gonna be that much of a challenge for me because they're all games that i'm dying to play and have been and i feel like i've got good momentum coming out of the holidays of just getting games played and making it happen so i feel like this is going to be done i'm not i'm not scared you can't scare me games You've been sitting there too long. You're getting all dusty, musty, crusty. I'm going to get you cleaned up. I'm going to get you played. (laughs) See, Dean, you just have to change your attitude. You've got to be aggressive with it. (laughs) We'll talk about these as we go, but I've got reasons for having all of these on there. And I'll just give some of those brief reasons again as we go, because some of these are are different than others. I'm going to start with my number five. My number five is a game called Alien Frontiers. This one released in 2010, but more recently there was a version that was released that had the expansions included with it. It's a game I've had on on my radar for years and years, but I've never got it played. But now that I have the 
version with all the expansion stuff in it, I'm very intrigued by it. This is a it is a dice worker placement game. You roll your dice, you put them out into the different locations based on their value, based on matching numbers or whatever to get resources to kind of colonize a <laughs> more colonization and board game. You are such a terrible person. It is, but to colonize a a planet and you get you get points but you also get some special abilities as you're colonizing different parts of this planet you're going to get points from uh, from one of the expansions that that you know if you meet these conditions you get points it's not a ton of points that you're getting in this game but as soon as you get rid of all of your colonies then that will trigger the end of the game and whoever has the most points is going to be the winner why has this been a challenge to get to the table i don't know one i've never had it until i just got this new version of it but it's a longer game for what it is i think i've I've heard it kind of drags a little bit even though i've seen it on a lot of people's top list over the years so i've just been i've always been intrigued by it so got to get this one to the table this one is my number five but i feel like it might be one of the easier ones to get to the table that is alien frontiers my number five good luck with that i think you (laughs) i think you can do it um, so where your game takes place in the vast unknown of space, mine takes place kind of in the vast unknown of the watchers below us. My number five is Nemo's War, the ultimate edition specifically, which came out in 2022. Uh, the original Nemo's War game came out in 09. Uh, this one is designed by Chris Taylor and art is by Ian O'Toole, published by Victory Point Games. It says one to four players, but really this is going to be a solo game. From everything that I've heard, this is what you play solo. Um, Potentially in 60 to 120 minutes. It's kind of a war game. Um, The reason why this is on my list, and I'll probably talk about each of these games as something that's, you know, why it's on my list and why it's still on my list. Uh, This is on the list because it's an adventure exploration game. Like I said, war game. Uh, it's going to be based loosely on that 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea by Jules Verne. I really love that book. I, when I first bought this game, I read that book or listened to it through Audible, uh, kind of in preparation for playing it. And then I, I, I never did. But I do love the book, you know, which... And so the game kind of following along those same lines is set in the year 1870, and you're setting sail on this amazing electric-powered submarine, the Nautilus of great fame and infamy. And you're assuming the role and the motives of Captain Nemo as you travel across the seas on missions of science, exploration, and anti-imperialism, Dean, not colonization, anti-imperialism, and of course, war. (laughs) (laughs) So close. (laughs) So close. Uh, (laughs) Now, as exciting as all that sounds, this is still on the shelf for me because it just always kind of seemed big and complicated. I know it's only 3.2 on BGG as far as weight goes, 3.2 out of 5, but it, but it's a war game. I've not really played a war game before, but it looks beautiful and intriguing, and I just haven't dedicated the amount of time to, to set it up and learn the rules for myself, because that's what I'd be doing, learning these complicated rules just for myself, when there's always, I feel like, other games to learn to play with other people. So it just hasn't gotten to the table yet, but it will this year. Um, I'm going to be excited to finally knock um, this war game off my list, but just a quick teaser. This may not be the only war game on my list, but that is my number five, Nemo's War Ultimate Edition. Interesting. Okay, my 
Number four is a game that originally released in 2012. That's Yido. Specifically, I am talking about the Yido Deluxe Master Set that came out in 2020. So it's set on my shelf for not a super, super long time, but over a year, I think, is how long I've had it. Uh, This is a worker placement game. You've got some bidding that happens at the beginning of each round. Uh, It takes place in Japan, 1605, and you're taking on the role of clan elders in the city of Edo, and you are uh, trying to complete these different missions. And there is some, by some, I mean potentially a lot of player interaction in this one and potentially some negative player interaction, which is why it hasn't really gotten to the table. However, with this newer version, it's got new, obviously new components and and all of that. It's got some modules in it, but it allows you to set up your own, I I guess the way that you want to cater your, to, to this game, I guess you, if you don't want to have a super, super negative interaction game, you can set it up that way, or you can set it up to, to have a super punishing game. And I I like that idea. I need to read through the rules and this is going to force me to read through the rules and get this one to the table because it often got compared to Lords of Waterdeep back in the day. And maybe it was because there wasn't like a lot of comparisons that could have been made, but because I love Lords of Waterdeep so much and I love the production of this one, I think the theme is really cool. I really want to get this to the table I just need to find the right people to do this with. By the way, I have people in mind for these. I didn't mention this at the beginning, but Stephen, listener and and great friend Stephen, is who I have in mind for these first two, Alien Frontiers and Yido, because I think he loves Lords of Waterdeep, so I think that he wouldn't mind playing this one. Let's hope that that happens. Yido Deluxe Master Set, my number four. All right. Good pick. Sorry, Stephen. Number four... <laughs> <laughs> My number four is is one you've heard us talk about, especially Dean, a whole lot. This is The Godfather, Corleone's Empire from 2017, designed by Eric Lane, art by Carl Kopinski, and published by Simon. Uh, again, going to play two to five players, 60 to 90 minutes. This is the thugs on a map area majority worker placement game where you're playing as competing mafia families. Um, you're fighting for economic control over New York City. I love the idea of this game. You can shake down a business, you can make your opponent swim with the fishes, and you can take the gun and leave the cannoli. I mean, this is um, so much just dripping with the the Godfather theme. And this is on my list originally because uh, I love Eric Lang. We've already had our top designer list, and Eric Lang is up there for both of us. And because of Dean, the way he's talked about it, Dean's passionate about this one. And I just really like the IP here. I've loved the movies. The movies. I've already told you the story of me sitting down to play this game with Godfather movie playing in the background, and I never played the game. I just sat there and watched the movies the whole night. So, uh, but but I'm going to get this one to the table. It's sitting on the shelf right now, just because I feel like I haven't had the right group together to play it. I want to play this with people who love the Godfather movies, and most of the the my friends up here like really haven't seen the Godfather movies. I'm like, look, we're going to have to just make a night where we all watch the movies. And then the next night we come back together and we play the games, but that's why it's still there. I'm not going to cheapen this experience by by playing it with people that don't like the Godfather. I feel like they have to go hand in hand, even though it's not really, it's not really the movie. You're not playing as those characters, but the idea is there. And with the music in the background, you just can't get and grasp the, the nuances of this without a movie appreciation. So that's why my number four 
is the Godfather of Corleone's Empire. Yeah, I will play that game anytime. I was going to say any place, but I won't because it, it <laughs> takes up a little bit of space. <laughs> so I will play it anytime, though. I love that game so, so much, yeah. which is why I have my number three as what it is. That is Scarface 1920. Now, the reason I picked this one up and I kickstarted it, I kicked it. Don't. As it were, right? <laughs> no. Nope. nope. <laughs> I kickstarted this one. It released just this last year, so it just came out. I've had it for several months now, so it's not sat on my shelf for a really long time. But I want so badly to get it to the table because of how much I love The Godfather. This one, I don't think is going to be one that I like more, but I think it has the potential to be one that I like quite a bit. The production is absolutely beautiful on this one. Again, you're playing as uh, mobster gang leaders and uh, um did i say that right <laughs> you're you're a gang leader and you are in 1920s chicago so you actually have real characters in this one which is pretty cool that part feels a little bit more thematic i ended up kickstarting the expansion this one to this one because it all looks very cool too productions through the roof the game looks cool i just got to get it to the table I put it on here because it's a little bit harder than Godfather is a lot more approachable. I feel like than this one, this one has more to the rule set that it's just, it's a little more daunting who I have in mind to play this with again, probably Steven, but I looked on Jonathan. Jonathan does a list of his shelf of opportunity every year and he just updated it. This was on his list. So I was like, Oh, I can get some games off of my list and Jonathan's list if I can ever get a chance to play games with Jonathan. But those two and John are ones that I have in mind. I'd like to, to play that with Meepletown John. Johnny, Johnny Meepletown. <laughs> so that is Scarface 1920 coming off the shelf this year. My question is, why is Jonathan avoiding you? Like you sound- Oh no, it's me. He invites <laughs> okay. me to things a lot. I, it's gotcha. just at times that I can't make it. So my question is, Dane, why are you avoiding Jonathan? <laughs> that's a better question, because he beats me at all the games. Ah, there you go. That, that's the answer. All righty. Um, well, I have no transition from that. So my number three is going to be uh, one that's been on my shelf, one of the earliest games I bought, and that is Merchants and Marauders. I picked this up several years ago. This was designed in 2010, designed by Christian Markison and Casper... Uh, <laughs> I don't know how do you pronounce Casper's uh, last name, but I like saying is saying it as a guard because that pirate game. Uh, the the art is by Ben Nelson and Chris Williams and published by Z-Men Games. Two to four players, 180 minutes. That probably tells you something right there, 180 minutes. This is a sandbox game where you live the life of an influential merchant or a dreaded pirate captain seeking your fortune through trade rumor hunting missions, and of course, plundering. Uh, you can modify your ship. You can buy new ships. You can load deadly special ammunitions on your ship. You can hire specialist crew members. Um, it's got pickup and deliver. It's got racing and variable player powers. And man, this one is on my list because it seems to be the most piratey of pirate games to me. I mean, this, this could be the pirate game for me. It sounds like like Western legends, but set in the in the golden age of piracy and the fact that you can be a merchant, you can be a pirate, you can pick and choose what you're doing and kind of go and explore and do whatever you want to do. But unfortunately, that's also kind of one of the reasons why it's on the shelf uh, still, because I hear the rules, some of the rules are kind of 
complicated, particularly around going to port. And it can make the turns take really long because there's so much that you can do while you're there. And so I know for me, that's not an instant turnoff. Um, I'm happy to go ahead and jump into that, but I know for others that will be. And so I just haven't taken the time to learn the rules and suggested it and made other people play it with me. I just need to rip off the the bandaid or perhaps the, the bandana here. I don't know. And just, I just got to get it, just got to get it played. But that is good call. Yeah. So anyway, we'll, it, we'll, we'll make it happen. That is my number three merchants and marauders. Yeah, real fast. We're not commenting a lot, but this is a game. If I we ever do a list of games that I regret getting rid of, this will probably be on there. Hmm. I got rid of it because it takes so long and it and it's got some fiddly rules in there as well. I just I thought that there would be something that would come out that would do what that does, but make it a little bit more streamlined, easier to get to the table. I've not played that game yet. It might exist, I just haven't played it. So Tell us, Meepletown, what's the game that we should play besides that? But Darren has to play it, so don't tell him, just tell me. <laughs> I'll play that one after I play this one. That's right. Next two games that I've got are biggins. They're oh. big old games, but they only play two players. Well, kind of. My number two is Star Wars Rebellion, which technically plays two to four players, but they say probably it's just a two-player game takes 180 to 240 minutes. Woo, that's quite long. But it is a Star Wars game, and it's supposed to be, I always hear Jonathan, our friend Jonathan, describe this as Star Wars in a box. This is one of his favorite games, so you can imagine that he might be at the top of the list of ones that I would like to play this game with. But you are um, you are trying to, to, as the Imperial player, you're trying to get all of your, you know, your your ships, your, your destroyers, and then also get your ground troops, your stormtroopers, and you even have a Death Star. You're trying to get them to rule the galaxy, obviously, as you can imagine, and also taking out the rebel scum. And you are, as the rebel player, you're trying to take all of your stuff that you have, and you are trying to not go like toe-to-toe with them in your military, but you are trying to uh, when galactic civil war through um, the uh, swaying of, of galaxies to your cause. That's all that's taken from, from BGG. And if you, you know, you survive, basically you just need to survive or strengthen your reputation and uh, pull sway the, the galaxy in your, uh, in your favor so that everyone will revolt and destroy the, the bad guys. Right. It's Star Wars in a box. I've got the game, the base game and the expansion I picked up for a really good deal. I just got to get to the table. Jonathan can teach it to me, I think. Or I could learn the rules and potentially teach my oldest son, but it's just such a long game. I don't think he would sit down for a full session of this unless we just kept it on the table and, and you know broke it up into several sessions. And I don't even know if that's worth it to do it that way, if it's even possible or if you need to remember the information. So anyway... Got to get to that that one to the table. It's just going to be one of the more difficult ones on this list. Yeah, I think you'll I think you'll really like that one, and I'm excited to hear how it goes with the expansion. Um, I hope y'all throw that in there. I hear that's almost not necessary, but close to being necessary. It just makes it the experience that much better and richer. So excited! Well, my hope is if I play this with Jonathan, he can just do whatever he wants and just teach me. That would be ideal, and I don't even have to 
to learn it <laughs> even better. Yeah, that's Star Wars Rebellion, my number two. Sorry, Jonathan. All right, my number two uh, is, again, another big, sprawling game. But this one, uh, kind of like the Star Wars Rebellion, it says it could play you know, multiple players, but really this is just a solo game from what I hear. This is Mage Knight, uh, particularly the Ultimate Edition, which came out in 2018. Another one that I picked up early on in the hobby because my eyes were bigger than my stomach. Delusions of Grandeur, you might say. This was designed by the great Vlada Shavatel and several artists on this one, published by WizKids. Uh, again, it says one to five players. It's going to be a solo game. No question. This is an adventure, exploration, deck building game where you are this powerful mage knight building your army and filling your deck with powerful spells and actions and exploring caves and dungeons and raising monasteries to the ground and eventually just conquering powerful cities. I mean, what's not to love? about that. This is on the list just because it sounds grand and amazing. I love the idea of being this powerful mage knight, fighting off enemies and casting spells and becoming really strong and powerful and figuring out uh, by myself what, and taking the time, as much time as I want need to uh, to puzzle out uh, you know, what I need to do and what's the best way to go about doing this and fighting this enemy or casting this spell or what have you. Uh, and I know for the longest time amongst the solo community, this was often regarded as the number one solo game. So I really want to play this. I can't wait to get it to the table, but it is still on the shelf because it is big and it is complicated. I think this is the most uh, heaviest game that I own. BGG has it rated at 4.66 out of five. There's And this being the ultimate edition, there's lots of stuff in that box and I'm going to have to sort through all that and, it's just the kind of game that I feel like it needs to be set up and left out for a while. And that's what it's going to take. Maybe if I get hit with COVID or something again, or, or we have several snow days, uh, I'll just throw it out there and, and finally get it to the table. But it will it will happen. Uh, you've not played Mage Knight, though, have you? No, and I've I've multiple times thought, oh, I really would like to, to try to pick that up. But it's always so daunting. Yeah. I have enough daunting games. I just, I think this one, if you, unless you're playing it all the time is what it seems like that you, it would be challenging just to like pick it up and play it every once in a while. Yeah, but I'm going to give it a shot anyway. We'll see what happens. That's my number two, <laughs> Mage Knight Ultimate Edition. Yeah, I, I'm really intrigued to hear what you have to say about that because it sounds, it it is, they say it's like the solo, big, big, huge solo game. It's supposed to be a lot of fun. We'll see. My number one is one that there's several people I would like to play this one with, and this is one I don't want to just get one play of. I want to play this one a bunch because I think it helps with being able to understand all the nuances of it. That is War of the Ring. Now, this is not War of the Ring, the card game that just came out. This is War of the Ring, the board game, the second edition that came out in 2011. I've not had it on my shelf for that long, although it kind of seems like it. A uh, <laughs> couple of things about this one. It's a two player only. Again, it says two to four players, but it's it's my understanding that this is a two player game. You are one side controlling the side of the free peoples. The other one is the shadow armies. And you are as the free people trying to take the fellowship and destroy the ring. And the shadow army is trying to destroy you. You're using cars. You're using dice. It is a really long game, which is why this is 
again, sitting on top of my shelf. This is 150 to 180 minutes. So two and a half, three hours ish is, is kind of what you're looking at by playing this one. And I imagine it's probably going to play even longer unless I'm playing with somebody that I know, but I don't know if I know anyone that's played this one. I would like to play it with you, Darren, but I don't think you've played it. John, Jonathan is, I'm pretty sure this is on, it is, it is on his list of shelf of opportunity games which is, again, why I added it on this one, thinking that I might most likely get it to play with him so that we can both knock it off our list. Johnny Meepletown, I think, would really like this one. Steven, I don't know if he would like this one. It might be longer than what he would like, but I don't care. I just want to play it with somebody. Love the theme. I love Lord of the Rings. Ah, yep. And I want to know how much I want to invest into this. There's lots of like little expansions for this. I wouldn't mind painting this copy up, but the miniatures are super small and that might sound like it's better, but in my mind, it's worse to paint miniatures that small to get the detail that you want. But if I really like it, I probably will end up painting it at some point. There's also a ton of miniatures in it, so it would take a really long time. Yeah. That's War of the Rings, second edition. Yeah, All the troops on that map make this really intimidating for me. That's why I think one reason why I love the card game so much, because I know I can get that one out and play it and hopefully it scraps that itch but i would like to play this one at some point in time again if someone taught it to me and held my hand the whole time well if you had it on your list we could have both met up to knock this off our list we have no overlap on here darren none i'm not gonna let you game the game you keep trying to find easy ways to 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 get around our our rules here you're gonna owe me a hundred dollars into this year probably so and to make sure that i do i'm not gonna teach you your number one game how about that punk (laughs) The game that Dean so rudely refuses to teach me is Root, a game of woodland might and right. came out in 2018. Uh, Again, I feel like the top of my list, these are all games I bought really early in the hobby when I didn't know what I was doing or getting myself into. And they all probably could have fought for this number one spot. But this one, many of you know, designed by Cole Worley, art by Kyle Farron, published by Leader Games, two to four players, 60 to 90 minutes. And this is Cole Worley's take on the coin game um that coin counterinsurgency this is this is like a war game you know uh this is asymmetric factions of cute woodland creatures fighting it out for control um i just love the fact that you know part of the reason why this is on the list why i have it is that i love the narrative behind the factions of what they're doing and why are they're doing it like the cats are currently in control and trying to exploit the woodland by harvesting resources for their armies and for buildings the, the Eerie Dynasty, the, the birds, the former leaders who used to be in charge, they're trying to recla- reclaim their land by building roost around and, and the way that their faction works with the programming. If it doesn't work out, it all falls apart and you got to like, you know, reorder everything. I love, I love that. The, the Woodland Alliance is rebelling, is rebelling by, by sowing sympathy around the woodland. And then you've got that lone vagabond out there who's basically a war profiteer. <laughs> it's just trying to win by aiding and by harming the other factions. I just love that, the idea of what's happening here. And the fact that you're doing all of this with cards and moving your cute little wooden meeples around the board. And there's this implicit need to kind of work together and sometimes police the board and keep others from getting ahead too far while you're also trying to undermine one another. I mean, this sounds like my kind of game, but it's still on the shelf because like we've been talking about here, I need a group of people to learn the rules in advance and to come in and us to have just have multiple chunks of time to come in and play it and play it and play it 
to either get to know the factions really well or to get to know all the factions um, and it not take forever to teach everything, but just to come in and play and just see how it goes. Uh, and since you won't help me, I guess I'm on my own. Thanks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Tell you what, if you ever have a group together to play this game and I'm around, I actually really enjoy helping people with this. I don't mind teaching it. It's it's, but I always let people know like it's a, it's a long teach, yeah. but it's it's helpful to have somebody that knows how to play the game. I got to play this a few months ago and everyone knew how to play the game and that rarely happens. And it was really nice yeah. that we could just jump into. And we all played new factions, I think too, but it's once you know, once you have the gist of the game, taking on the new factions is pretty, is pretty easy. Yeah, that's cool. And then but, I have them all. I have everything for this game, all the expansions, all the hurlings, all of it. I just can't wait to play it, but that's my number one yeah. root. Such a game, a great game, excuse me, such a great game. Top, I think five game for me, top 10 for sure. But that is going to do it for this episode. I would love Meeple Town to hear what games that you are trying to get off of your shelf of opportunity this year. Games that are sitting upon your shelf that you just don't have played yet. Get it off. This is the year. Make your list and maybe, just maybe, we can play them with you and get games off each other's list. That would be the most helpful. But that is going to conclude episode 158. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can reach out to us in all the social media outlets at Meepletown Games. Go to our website, meepletowngames.com. You can go to our Discord, go to boardgamegeek.com, guild number 3407. Or this is where we really need your help, as we need you to send us some mail to our mailbag. That's meepletownmail at gmail.com. Dot com. And until next time, thanks for coming down to Meepletown. Later. Hey, Darren, I think I think what we should really do is not $100, not kicked off of Meepletown, but shame each other. This is a... <laughs> <laughs> we call it shelf of opportunity. It's actually a shelf of shame. And you should be shamed if you don't do this. So some sort of public shaming, I think, is in order if you don't get all these games off your list. Do you have ideas of what this public shaming might consist of? We'll figure it out. Maybe some kind of public flogging or some sort of, of I don't know, something bad, something real bad that hurts your feelings. <laughs> I'm always down to hurt your feelings. <laughs>